Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Brian on from Silential. And we'll be talking about the use case or the business case for why his prospects and customers, how they, why they pick Silential. So let's just jump into some introductions. Brian, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Silential? Thank you, William. Yes, uh, Brian Hollinger, VP of Sales here at Silential. Uh, we focus on uh, optimizing and automating the top of funnel for our customers, leveraging AI, uh, specifically natural language processing and our proprietary talent graph. I love that. So top of funnel for for uh, for anyone that might not understand top of funnel, let's do let's do some definitions. These are people that have applied and now now there's a there's a process in terms of trying to take them from application in all the way to offer letter. Uh, it's a little bit different. So it's okay. essentially a top of funnel is the people that are not applying. So okay, good. So uh, I guess there are two inputs to the top of funnel. One would be the people that do apply, but then recruiting teams and talent teams will often go outbound in sales. We call it outbound prospecting, you know, in in recruiting, it's very much a similar motion going outbound, trying to identify the right candidates through, you know, we'll call status quo uh, channels. You know, the biggest status quo channel would be LinkedIn. So, you know, many talent teams, LinkedIn, as you know, everyone knows, multi-billion dollar business and their flagship product is the LinkedIn recruiter product, which is, I believe, tens of thousands of dollars per seat. And, you know, we have, we hear stories of people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with LinkedIn and it's essentially a prospecting tool for them to identify candidates. So we come in and deliver a solution that's kind of going a little bit beyond status quo uh, and just looking to identify candidates outside of uh, those traditional methods uh, through our talent graph, which you know takes into consideration hundreds of signals, thousands of signals across uh, the web to identify really who are the best candidates and then engage those candidates to fill the top of funnel. So do that in an automated way. Uh, reaching out to those prospects or the prospective candidates, I should say, right. on behalf of our customers, and uh, that's what we're delivering on. I love that. So, how do we how do we understand what a good prospective? You know, it's like I love that that you and I can talk sales and marketing language, which is great because it's an easy transfer over to uh, to candidates uh, and candidate language. So, how do we know it's a good candidate fit? Like, uh, what do we need to do and what does the technology do to understand, okay, this would be a good candidate fit as opposed to someone that maybe might not be a good fit? That is a great question because it's not just about the candidate, right? So mm. the candidate has all of its uh, attributes, you could say. The right. technologies they're familiar with, the companies that they've worked at, the, you know, the experience that they have you know, as far as you know, individual contributor, leadership, all of those different things kind of make up the candidate. But there's also the company side of the equation, right? So as with anything, you know, I actually I make the sales and recruiting analogy all the time, but I say recruiting is harder because you need two people, you need two sides to say yes. 
uh, where sales, you just need one side to say yes, and you can you know, move forward. So the key aspect to that is that the company needs, it needs to be a fit for the company as well. So, you know, what we're able to do is we're able to understand the candidates makeup and profile with a great depth of understanding of their technical skills and depth of experience with specific programming languages and infrastructural technologies combined with the company uh, and the company attributes, which, which is also part of our graph. So we have an understanding of the all of the engineers at our customers are in our talent graph. So we understand their makeup, their experience, the companies that they've worked for, the the level of expertise they have. We understand the company itself. How many employees are there? Is it series A, series B? How fast is it growing? All of those things make up the company oh, cool. profile. And then we're able to understand, okay, who are the best fits from a technical perspective, from a, um, from a skills perspective, but then also who are the best fits as far as likely to work at a company at maybe series A or series B, or only a team of 10 engineers, someone that's worked in only companies of, you know, several hundred engineers may not be a fit for a team of, you know, 15 engineers that's, you know, maybe growing quickly. So really understanding the company attributes combined with the candidate skills, as well as that experience that they have. And really that those are the factors that go into making the match in addition to understanding, you know, the depths of, of skills and understanding, which are very important as, uh, of course, but it's truly understanding like what's a good match. Cause if you say like, look, this is a seed stage startup that's hiring its first engineer. Right. It doesn't make sense to go after, Oh, I only want a plus engineers that have been at Google for 10 years. Well, someone that's <laughs> been luck. at Google for 10 years is, yeah, that's it's, it's going to be a really hard sell. And you're just going to, for lack of a better term, you're going to be barking up the wrong tree. So who are the best fits that maybe have that, have had that experience and maybe started at a company, series A, series B, and been with a company through to series C or D and, and kind of been part of that growth story. And those are the types of things that, um, you know, we're able to do at scale that, you know, really good recruiters do this, you know, the best recruiters understand all of these elements that go into understanding who are great fits, who are great candidates. Right. Um, but doing it at scale is incredibly hard uh, to impossible, you could say, because it's not just identifying the candidates, but it's this, the second part of it is engaging the candidates. So what we do for our customers is that after we've identified the best fits for uh, our customers, we then reach out to those customers uh, on behalf of uh, a member of the team, typically a hiring manager or CTO or a member of the leadership team, uh, so that it's in an automated and yet still personalized way that is able to say like, look, because of your experience working with this technology at this company, and actually a few members of our team might have went to the same school as you did about the same time you did, we think you might be a good fit. Are you open to a discussion? So being able to generate those messages and generate that outreach in an automated way, coupled with the identifying of the candidates in an automated way, just allow us to uh, really move quickly and move at scale for our customers where, uh, like I said, really good recruiters could do what our technology does, but it would take them much, much, much longer Right. And they wouldn't be able to do it at nearly the scale that we could uh, that we're able to deliver on. 
So d dumb, two dumb questions, uh, alerts. One is, is the data that you, you mine from, uh, it's, it's more than just LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really, uh, it's really anything that's in the, the public sphere. We're able gotcha. to, yeah. part of our secret sauce is taking things like a personal website or taking a college dissertation, uh, and tying that back to the individual in a way that, is accurate, right? So there's millions of signals, billions of signals across the internet, across all of these candidates. And then it's truly taking that signal and uh, applying it and associating it with the the individual, like all of these people uh, that make up the graph is, is very, very difficult to do and, and something that we are able to do. So like I say, it's taking just uh, things like Stack Overflow, GitHub contributions, mm -hmm. personal websites, college dissertations, uh, academic research papers that have might have been published. All of those things uh, we're able to uh, bring back to the individual and then leverage that to uh, really identify the best candidates and make the best matches, as well so, as enrich the messaging, right? Because we right. want to be able to engage those candidates in a way that's meaningful and personal. Uh, and all of that information feeds into, you know, uh, that ability to do so. So the second dumb question was, do people, I first of all, despise software categories, but, you know, I also understand that HR and recruiting's budgets are built in Excel. So uh, I would have put you in kind of that smart sourcing technology uh, category. But again, because I hate categories, won't you tell me what, uh, what yeah. your prospects and customers, how do they view you? Typically, we replace traditional agencies and recruiters, so okay. uh, external agencies and recruiters. So right. oftentimes, uh, our customers, they'll have uh, talent teams themselves, but talent teams uh, typically for for roles that they may be constantly hiring for or specialty roles, um, or maybe they're just understaffed uh, on the talent side, will leverage agencies and recruiters. Uh, so we'll typically... Uh, if you were to categorize, you know, for lack of that, you say budgets are made in Excel, like what, what column or what row in Excel do we typically dip into? It's let's reallocate budget that we would have used for external agencies and recruiters and then apply it to uh, apply it to Silential because the economics of external agencies and recruiters for software engineers, and technology hires, which we specialize in is incredibly expensive. So right. typical, you know, technology hire, software engineer, technical member of the technical staff is going to be between 150 and 200,000. Uh, and then typical agency is going to be 20, 25, 30% of that first year salary. So you're looking anywhere between, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 for one hire. Um, they're able to spin up these agencies and, and recruiters, at no cost, but then if you make one higher, it becomes prohibitively expensive where we're able to come in and deliver a consistent quality pipeline of candidates, you know, typically between 20 and 40 candidates per month. And our customers typically would need about 20 to 30 candidates to make one higher. The economics, uh, you know, make sense pretty quickly uh, for our customers. And that's typically why they come on board with us. I'm so I, I'm so glad I asked the dumb question because I had you miscategorized in the sense of I had you as a LinkedIn killer 
and maybe even uh, it maybe closer in my head over to something like uh, Seek Out or Hire Easy uh, in that way that you can help people find talent. But you, this is far more robust in the sense of you you can actually displace some of that really kind of mismanaged staffing uh, funds that have been there. We all know that well, you know the situation that's been going over there. Money is being spent, and they're not necessarily getting the their best re- return on their investment. This is a much better way to get a return on that investment. So I'm <laughs> I'm glad I asked the dumb question. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of it, and I think that the, another part of it too is when you talk about like other technologies that although those other technologies still need to be run by people, and those that, people need to be hyper efficient, and those people need to. Uh, know how to use the tool and and use it appropriately. So no matter how good the tool is, if the person that's you know using it, you know we all know the phrase user error. Uh, uh, if if the person isn't you know totally dialed into that technology, maybe they're using it wrong, and there's some you know inefficiencies there and some slack in the system there. Whereas we're coming in delivering. Uh, our customers aren't necessarily logging into a tool and doing the searches and doing the messaging. It's all happening in an automated way. Our customers don't need to change anything about their process for candidate experience and only just engage with the candidates that respond positively and say, yes, I'm interested in a 30-minute call. Yes, I'm interested in learning more. Yes, I'm interested in in kicking off the process with you. Um so there's no there's no tool that the customer has to spin up there. So this, we hear this from our customers all the time and prospects. It's like the concept of tool fatigue. Well, we tried using this tool and the team didn't adopt it. Or we subscribed to this technology and we used it for two months and then it just sat there for the next 10 months. None of that happens with our customers simply because they're only subscribing to the pipeline of candidates. Uh, and there isn't necessarily anything for them to miss or, or underutilize or uh, or use wrong uh, with us. I love it. Let's pivot to the other side real quick because I want to talk about prospects. Um, first thing is, is let's go into the demo. What's your favorite kind of, I call it the aha moment, but what's your favorite moment in, in the demo? So part of our demo process is kind of exposing the customers um, to uh the matching process. Uh, and because there isn't necessarily anything for our customers to use, our demo process is the free matches and then taking them through what the process looks like and how we deliver on those candidates. So uh, I, we liken the the matches that anyone can go to silential.ai uh, and run a free match against one of their job descriptions. And kind of the aha moment comes kind of one of two ways. Number one is uh, sometimes customers or prospects will say, oh, actually we interviewed this person two months ago and maybe they declined our offer or maybe you know, ap- upon further review, they weren't necessarily the perfect fit that we were looking for. So to us, that's incredible validation out of the tens of millions of people in our talent graph across the entire you know, Americas, North America, South America, we identified you know, these five people, because we do, we deliver five matches. And for, for a prospect to say, actually, we talked to this person, uh, we feel that's incredibly validating and, and they kind of have an aha moment there. Uh, the flip side to that coin is when we present candidates uh, as part of that, that match exercise. And they say, you know what? I probably never would have found this person on my own, but now I'm taking a little bit deeper dive into what 
in you suggesting this, this candidate as a match. And I, and I think actually this could be a person that would be, would be very interesting to us. So it's kind of, we already talked with this person and wow, out of the tens of millions of people, you found one of them, very impressive. And then the other part is we would have never found this person otherwise. Uh, and that's to me like where I get the most satisfaction because, and, we, and then once prospects ultimately become customers, that that happens frequently because like I say, customers are using status quo solutions. We'll say LinkedIn. LinkedIn data is so sparse. I mean, you can have people right. that have spent five and six years at, you know, my best, my favorite example is Stripe. Someone spent five years at Stripe. What if, what kind of work have they done at Stripe for the past five years? It's got to be the most incredible experience over these last five years at a company like that. But on their LinkedIn profile, it says software engineer, Stripe, five years. Oh my gosh, like, what are all the details there? So, you know, we're able to paint paint a much uh, uh, more contextual picture of a candidate's experience, uh, and then deliver that to our customers as part of uh, delivering the candidates over to them after they've, you know, responded positively. And then we have those customers that say, like, look, I would have never found this person, and you know, all of my search queries across all of these different tools would have never identified this person because information is so sparse. But you connected us with them. They're open to a discussion. We dove into their experience and got a greater depth of it. And wow, perfect fit. We would have never found them otherwise. So those are, those are you know, the stories I love to hear. Oh, so, so questions that you love to hear from prospects, like you just know they get it because it, because this is, this is, this is revolutionary, right? So um, you, these are the questions that you would love if you could program them to say, Here, here's the five things that you should be asking me. Uh, it doesn't well, have to be five, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a matter of um, oftentimes customers, prospects will ask like, "Well, how do I how do I know that they're a good match?" Well, you know, we we take care to ensure that uh, the the candidates are matched. We go through a calibration exercise up front. So, how do I know? Like, look, okay, it seems to make sense, but how do I know? How is this how is this truly going to work for me? Uh, that's a question that that comes up frequently. Um, another question is like kind of a success problem question. Like, oh my God, how am I going to be able to handle the pipeline of candidates? A lot of our customers, they'll say like, look, I'm should not- be a good not, candidate. Should be a good yeah, problem to have. <laughs> this is exactly right. Like, how can I handle That's what I call like a success problem. Like, oh my gosh, you'll be so successful. How could I handle that? Or you will, or you will deliver. It's almost like, hey, I understand that you're going to deliver and- I believe that I'm bought in, but how am I going to handle it? So oftentimes we'll walk through with our customers, like, look, this is how we operate. We can operate to, we can scale up and down to meet your needs just as far as the, 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 the flow of the, the candidates, because we can, we can toggle uh, the volumes to ensure that we can, you know, calibrate things in a way that, you know, we know our system pretty well. So we can understand, you know, uh, response rates and levels of engagement uh, of, of the outreach to ensure that it, it can meet those needs. Uh, but then also we have, you know, there's a human in the loop element too. So we have a customer success manager uh, on our team. Customer success manager really uh, is an extension of our customers' talent teams uh, in many ways. And uh, I think is a tremendous asset for us with our customers in that we can, we're going to take those inputs and say like, okay, based off of your needs where we can calibrate, the search in these ways, we can calibrate the volume of pipeline in these ways. So it's it's not just a 
total flip of the switch, there is this human in the loop that's able to make sure that we can best meet our customers' needs. So when they do have that question around, oh, how am I going to be able to handle this? Um, it's the customer success manager that's able to, you know, toggle the inputs. Uh, how am I going to know that the candidates are the right candidates? How can how can we truly validate this? Well, we're going to keep calibrating. It's not just taking the job description. So our, our first step is take the job description. We parse the job description and we're able to identify the right candidates, but then there's a human in the loop. So human in the loop could be, you know, things come up where we've had prospects or customers. They say like, look, we've had really bad luck with, people that came to us from, you know, big company XYZ, like Verizon, we had really bad luck with people who came from Verizon. So we just don't want anyone from Verizon. Right. Uh, so let's exclude Verizon. That's not something that you put in a job description, right? Like, if you work at Verizon, please don't apply. Um, but if you know, in a customer success conversation, we can toggle those inputs, we can include and exclude, uh, and really dial it in. So those are two of the, the biggest questions that you know, that I know that they're bought in that the system will work and how do we know that it will work? How do we validate it? And then the other one around like, Hey, how do we handle the pipeline uh, is another one. And that's just a matter of like, look, it's not just a total automated process. It, there is this human in the loop element and that, that covers a lot of um, covers, a, covers a lot of the things that might be concerns. Okay. Last question and uh, no brands or company names or anything like that, but your favorite customer story or maybe your latest and greatest customer story, if you like. Yeah, I there's there's a couple of them that uh, come to mind. Um, I would go back to uh, you know something that I discussed earlier around identifying a candidate that a, that a customer would have never found. Right. Um, there was an early stage company. It was uh, a team of about uh, there was a CTO and a team of about uh, six engineers, and they were looking for an engineering manager. And it was, it was that I'll never forget it. It was just super clear that the, the talent manager just came on board and we were brought on uh, a little bit before the, the talent leader came in and, you know, she told us, look, this person, we would have never found them. Uh, and this person is exactly what we were looking for. And they, they didn't have anything on their LinkedIn profile that would have cued us in that they would be a, a great candidate. And then after taking them through the process and meeting with the executive team, this is a, this is the exact candidate that we would want for this engineering leadership role. Engineering leadership roles are incredibly hard to fill, incredibly expensive to fill. Uh, and for us to deliver on that uh, in a way that was unique and that they would have never found this person um, was was one of my favorite stories. Well, that was fantastic. This was a great use of time. Brian, I know you're busy. Thank you so much for your time and wisdom. Thank you, William. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone for listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.